At the bank of Antandek, they're looking for a mascot. We need an icon. Something that says high fly into all our mortgage customers. Like a falcon or a stallion. Or even better, a parrot. Check it out. <laughs> Meanwhile, at Santander, they're concentrating on helping customers find ways to take years off their mortgage with their overpayment calculator. See what's possible at Santander. All applications are subject to status and our lending criteria. Your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on your mortgage. Well, today we have Audra from Alabama with us. Stay tuned. We've heard from so many of you, our Dollar Saving Divas podcast listeners, that you're having a difficult time leaving a rating and review for the podcast in iTunes. So here's a painless way to do it. Go to www.pleasereviewmypodcast.com backslash DSD for an easy step-by-step tutorial to follow. That's www.pleasereviewmypodcast.com backslash DSD. Okay, Audra, I know you're in Alabama. So are you a Crimson, yes. t- are you a Crimson Tide girl? I am. My family, we're a house divided um, on my side of the family because my brother and sister go to Auburn University. And then I, I've always been an Alabama fan. My granddad was an Alabama fan. I just kind of followed his lead there. But then I ended up coming down here and working for the University of Alabama. So it was game over from there. And now we have a fun rivalry in our family. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, you, you'll still be a Red Hawk, though. You'll still be a Miami girl. Oh, yes, of course. Well, talk to us a little bit. We know you have type 1 diabetes, and you're, how old are you now? I am 25. Okay, 25. So talk about what type 1 diabetes is and when you found out you had it, but yours is kind of a different story to that. Then let's talk about how you're living with it, and then you became a mom and how that changes, too, when you're pregnant and then afterwards. Yes. Okay. So type one diabetes, um, a lot of people, there's a lot of misconceptions around type one. People hear diabetes and they usually, um, assume type two diabetes. Um, and type one is actually an autoimmune disorder. Um, so the way that I kind of simplify it when I explain it is I have a pancreas in my body, but it's just kind of there and it doesn't really do anything. Um, so your pancreas, um, regulates and produces insulin to cover how many carbohydrates your body's taking in um, to keep your blood sugar level. Um, And my pancreas has no ability to um, ever produce my own insulin. Um, So, and I'm kind of generalizing here, but just to keep it simple, usually with type 2 diabetes, um, the ability to make insulin is there. It's just stunted um, and it needs medication and other factors to kind of get it jump-started again. Whereas type 1, it's like, I don't have the correct cells in my body to ever make my own insulin. So that's why I have to um, have insulin injected into my body. Um, So that's kind of a big difference there. Type 1 and type 2 are are pretty different diseases. They just both involve involve the pancreas and um, insulin production. So that's why they're kind of grouped together. But they are really different. Type 1 runs in my family. Um, My cousin has it and my pa had it. And my whole childhood, my parents were always looking for signs and symptoms um, of T1. And none of us really exhibited them. And so once we all became teenagers, they thought, cool, we're out of the woods. But what we didn't know at the time was that if you have the genetic predisposition for it, um, that can awaken again in young adulthood from about age 19 to 21, um, which we didn't know but found out when it's 
happened to me. <laughs> so how did you um, find, how did you find out at, that you had it? I it was like finals week, my sophomore year of college, and I was just feeling weird, and I had dropped a lot of weight all of a sudden, which like my body holds on to weight like crazy, so that was very out of the norm. Um, and I was like talking to my mom about it, and I was like, I don't know, it's just I feel kind of weird. And she's like, Well, you're probably exhausted. Like it's finals week, you like aren't really sleeping. And I'm like, well, that's true. Um, and we went shopping one day. And when we were driving that morning, I noticed that I had to squint more to read the highway signs. And I was like, weird. I, my uh, eye prescription must be changing. I should probably make an appointment. Um, and she's like, yeah, do that. So I did that. And then by the end of the day, when we were coming home and we were driving back, I was not the one driving, which is good. Um, yeah, that's, I couldn't that's read anything good. on the signs. Oh, you couldn't yeah, see it at I, all? Was no, like, all like I could see there were words there, but I couldn't really make them out, even when I was right in front of them. And I'm like, Mom, something is wrong. Um, and we were just kind of thinking about it and just kind of went on with the rest of the day. And, like, late in the night we were talking about it. She's like, wait, what if it's, like, the symptoms of diabetes. Does it sound right? So we were Googling and then I took a home A1C test. It was 9.2 and it's supposed to be below five. So then we went to the ER and, <laughs> and I was diagnosed and wow. there was that. <laughs> wow. Kind of a weird day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a weird day, particularly during finals week. Well, that must've been right? pretty terrifying. Yes, <laughs> it was. So what other than taking insulin, what do you have to do diet wise, exercise wise? Do you have to, you know, do different things than you did before? Before I was diagnosed, I was actually the healthiest I had ever been. And like, I didn't really know much about the differences between um, type 1 and type 2 diabetes. When they said, you're a type 1 diabetic, I was like, I don't have diabetes. I've, I'm a runner and I eat well and all this stuff. And they're like, no, no, no. Type 1 has nothing to do with that. It's not about your lifestyle factors. It just means that your pancreas doesn't work and we need to give you insulin manually to make it work. So, I didn't really have to change much, and honestly, I live a healthy lifestyle because I want to, not really because I have to, so the trick is just, like, I can eat cotton candy if I want to. I just have to know roughly how many grams of carbohydrates are in it, and then I um, give the amount of insulin to cover the um, number of carbohydrates, and then it will cover it, and I should be fine, in theory. That's how it's supposed to in work. In theory. Okay, I have to tell you, always work that way, have to tell you something. There is a new grape out. It used to be in California. It is now here in Ohio. It is a grape. It, it's a green grape. It tastes like cotton candy. Yes, okay. I saw have you heard about that? The other day. It's the coolest My thing. Husband. It tastes just like <laughs> cotton candy. And then you know what you do? You freeze them. Oh, that's such a good idea. They're delicious. I so should get them. We were at Publix last night, and my husband, Brian, was like, we need these. I'm like, we don't need those. They probably don't even taste that good. And they but, do. Okay, I think you've talked me into it. Yes, they <laughs> do. They taste like, I just had them last week, and they taste like cotton candy. If you like cotton candy, these are a lot healthier for you. Yeah, there you go. I mean, you still have to watch the <laughs> sugar correct, like on things like this, too, right? So how do you do it? How do you measure the amount of sugar? It's kind of like a guesstimate most times. Um, and it's actually a misconception. So most people think you have to count um, like grams of sugar. But most of the time on nutrition facts, um, the grams of sugar isn't always accurate. And managing T1 has to do with the breakdown of carbohydrates in your bloodstream. 
So I just have to follow grams of carbs, which if I'm eating something from a box or something that I can look up online, then I usually have an accurate number to go off of for measuring carbohydrates. But if it's like a cup of strawberries, that I usually have to kind of guesstimate. Um, And in the beginning, that was rough because I didn't know, like, I, I didn't even know what was considered a higher amount of carbs or a lower, like I didn't know anything. So my cousin helped me through that in the beginning. Um, but now I can basically, I've had it five years now, so I can pretty much look at a plate of food and basically see roughly how many grams of carbs are in each thing. Wow, which that's, that's kind of a nice I always trick. Play on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, you could yeah, sit down and say, oh, let's do this new game, and then you can win, but make sure you bet on right? it. Right? Yeah, win a lot of money. I saw this meme that was like a plate of food, and it's like how a normal person sees a plate of food, and it's just a plate of food. And then the other side, like how a type 1 sees a plate of food, and it's like all these numbers. Yeah. I'm like, yep, every time I eat, it's like a math equation, and I'm... Usually terrible at math, but this I, I've had to get under my belt. <laughs> well, so did things change when you became pregnant? Yes. So pregnancy, I always knew would be rough because T1 is autoimmune and it's an endocrine disorder. Um, so anytime you have hormone fluctuations, your blood sugar is impacted. So for women at that time of the month, if your blood sugar is running high and you're doing everything right, but it's still just stubborn, running high and won't come back down, um, that's because your hormones, and there's really not much you can do except just ride it out. Um, so obviously with pregnancy, there's lots of crazy hormone changes. Um, so I, I was prepared going into it for lots of craziness. Um, it took my husband and I about two and a half years to get pregnant, so I spent that time kind of making sure that um, my A1C was as low as I could get it, which your A1C is a percentage measurement of your average blood sugars over the past two or three months. So for non-diabetics, it's below five. And my endocrinologist was like, I'm happy if yours is at a seven. Like that means that you're doing a good job. And then when I got pregnant, mine was 5.8. So I was pretty proud of that. And I was like, let me see if I can keep this going because towards the end of pregnancy, you hit a lot of insulin resistance where your body just like needs so much more insulin but doesn't really know how to process it correctly because it's so focused on helping the baby. But in the beginning, like first trimester, I had a lot of low blood sugars um, due to all the new hormones and my body was starting to change. And the way that my body reacted to that was by having lots of low blood sugars instead of high blood sugars. And I actually had a bunch of uh, seizures in the first trimester which I wasn't really expecting that. I don't think anyone on my medical team was expecting that. Um, But as soon as I hit the second trimester, they calmed down. So that was, now I'm like, well, I know for next time that that might be a thing that happens. But second trimester was pretty smooth sailing. Um, I was done with the crazy low blood sugars and the seizures. Um, They would happen from time to time, but before it was like, a few a week. And in the second trimester, it was like maybe one or two a month. Second trimester, I felt pretty good and and I hadn't hit resistance yet. So I was basically able to kind of manage things as normal for the most part. And then third trimester is just when everything hit the fan. (laughs) Um, I had such bad insulin resistance. So I wear an insulin pump and I change my insulin pump site about every three to four days. Um, it takes usually about three to four days for me to run out of insulin in my pump. But in the third trimester, I was changing it every day. 
I was requiring three to four days worth of insulin in one day. So that was crazy. Even though I kind of prepared myself for that, it's still just as kind of nuts when you're like, I'm doing everything right, but it's just not responding. It had to be physically Um, exhausting, too, because you're carrying a baby. So, (laughs) wow. Yeah. It was so exhausting. Okay, now tell us about um, so this. Tell I, us I quit about my this job little... like at the end of the third trimester, and I'm glad I did because I needed to focus on my health as my full time job. Right, then, but... exactly. Okay, tell us about the little one. <laughs> Her name's Nora Joe, and Aww. she has been nothing but crazy healthy since she was born, and uh, she's just a miracle to us. We were getting ready to really hit the like, really gear up with fertility treatments about this time last year, Um, and we kept waiting for the next cycle to start. Nothing was happening, and I took a pregnancy test, and it was positive. So she was definitely a miracle. I was told by lots of doctors, you'll never get pregnant on your own, and maybe not with intervention, and so that was really disappointing, but then she was like, um, nope, I'm going to I'm gonna exist. Sorry. (laughs) And she defied all the odds, and I was induced a couple weeks early because type 1 diabetic women tend to grow bigger babies faster, even if you have perfect numbers your whole pregnancy. Not really sure why. You know, if if I was having high numbers, I could maybe see why that would happen. But even with women that are perfectly controlled, we still just grow bigger babies. So I was induced a couple weeks early. And after 30 hours of labor, it ended in a crazy emergency C-section. But she came out screaming and has been perfect ever since, pretty much. So it's been an adventure. (laughs) Wow. Audra, thank you for sharing your story. Number one, I did not know about type 1 diabetes. I did not know all this. I didn't realize it was an autoimmune. I had no idea. And just how how you're dealing with it and how you're living with it, it's just, and you're 25 years old and you have now a beautiful baby girl who's four months old. So I want to thank you for being with us, and I'm sure our listeners will have learned a lot from you. And it'll be up on Facebook and different sites so people can um, even contact you about some information if they need to, to say, living with diabetes, type 1 diabetes, how do you do it? So thanks, Audra. Yes, that would be awesome. Thank you all for having me on. I'm so happy to take any opportunity I can to educate because I know before I was diagnosed, I had no clue the differences between the two or anything about T1, really. Um, so anytime I can educate or help, I'm happy to do it. So That's if anyone great. ever needs to ask questions, I'm an open book. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dollar Saving Divas. If you have ideas for an upcoming episode, we'd love to hear from you. Just head to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash dollarsavingdivascbus and share your comments. Our podcast is available on iTunes, iHeartMedia, or your favorite podcast player. Thanks again for listening. Circle270media.com At the Bank of Antandek, they're looking for a mascot. We need an icon. Something that says high fly into all our mortgage customers. Like a falcon or a stallion. Or even better, a parrot. Check it out. <laughs> Meanwhile, at Santander, they're concentrating on helping customers find ways to take years off their mortgage with their overpayment calculator. See what's possible at Santander. All applications are subject to status and our lending criteria. Your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on your mortgage.